Good morning. Good morning to all those who are gathered online as well. My name is Nick Swan. I'm the associate pastor here at Grace. This morning we are continuing our series on the book of Matthew, and we're also shifting gears into the season of Advent. And our message this morning is entitled, Jesus Teaches the Sower. Uh, Before we begin, let me pray for us. Father, as we transition into this season of Advent... I pray that you would allow us to slow down, that you would allow us to set aside all of the busyness of our lives, that you would allow us to hear your word preached this morning, that you would allow us to begin to prepare our hearts for the celebration of Christmas, which points to Christ's first coming. And that also we would join in the preparation and anticipation of Christ's second coming. Father, may this be a time of reflection and of taking stock and of refocusing our attention upon you. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. As Diana mentioned, the term Advent, which is Latin from the Latin word Adventus, means coming or arrival. As Christians, we celebrate Advent in the weeks leading up to Christmas, and we we join in what the Old Testament believers would have been anticipating and then celebrating when the Messiah finally came. But we also take this time not just to celebrate what has happened, but to anticipate what is yet to come. We celebrate his first Advent, his first coming, but we also continue to stoke our affection for him and our longing for his second coming. We're a people who live between the Advents. Just like many of us had preparation and anticipation of either going out of town or family coming into town this last week, we are to prepare our hearts and to anticipate Christ's second coming. And our parable this morning gives us the opportunity through the parable of the sower to examine the soil of our hearts and in doing so preparing our hearts for Christ's return. Main point this morning is this, God invites us to examine the condition of our hearts in preparation for the second advent of Christ. God invites us to examine the soil of our hearts, the condition of our hearts, in preparation for the second coming of Christ. Our message this morning has three points. We have the four soils, we have the soil of our hearts, and we have ears to hear. The four soils, the soil of our hearts, and ears to hear. So the first one is the four soils. Let's begin by setting the stage. So Jesus throughout Matthew, is, he's finding himself in, in growing conflict with the religious leaders and the crowds who have again and again heard his proclamation that he is the Son of God and yet continue to reject him. And Jesus begins now with another set of teachings, which are going to be a series of parables. And a crowd has gathered. The crowd is so large on the beach that he has to get into a boat so that he can push off from the shore and address all of those who are assembled there. He begins his teaching with what seems like a relatively simple parable. Someone is sowing seeds, and this seed lands on four different kinds of soil, yielding four different kinds of results. The sower in this parable is Jesus. The seeds that he is is sowing is the gospel message. And the soils that are described here are descriptions of the soil of our hearts as the gospel word comes to us. This parable is found in verses 3 through 8, and then Jesus gives an explanation of this parable in verses 18 to 23, and I'm going to be bouncing back and forth in this first point 
between the parable itself and Jesus' explanation. So the first soil that we encounter is the soil that's found on the path. Now you can imagine if you have an area where you've been planting crops that you walk along a particular path and over time the soil on the path is hardened. It's, it's trodden down and becomes hard as stone. And so what's described here is that apart from tilling this earth, the seed when it's thrown in this hard soil has no chance of growing. In fact, it just becomes a feast for all the birds. They quickly come in, swoop in, and eat up all the seed that's been sown. And Jesus explains that the hardened soil of the path is like the heart of a person who hears the words of the kingdom but fails to understand them. The words go in one ear and right out the other. The words of the gospel are heard, but they're not understood. They're heard, but they're not received by the listener. But this failure to understand or to receive, it's more than a cognitive issue. Because the words of the gospel are actually quite easy to understand. They point to a condition of heart, a hard heart that is unwilling to receive the gospel message and in fact is growing harder with each rejection of the gospel message. The second soil is the rocky soil. The soil represents those who have a faith that is shallow. The seed that is sown on the rocky soil, it first takes root. There is soil there and it flourishes at first, but when the inevitable sun rises, there's no room for the roots to grow, and so the sun scorches the leaves, and ultimately the plant withers. And Jesus explains that this soil is a picture of a heart with a shallow faith, and the seed sown on this, this, this rocky soil, it's received by the person with gladness, and at first, they receive it, and they be, seem to be growing as Christians, But then when persecution and tribulation come, and it says for the sake of the word, when the cost of identifying with Christ come, the heat of that cost eventually reveals that the depth of that faith is insufficient to support it in the heat of persecution. And so it withers and dies. The third soil is the soil that is infested with thorns. This soil represents those whose faith is strangled by the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. The seed is sown in this field and and it's allowed to grow, but right along with it are thorns. And the thorns eventually begin to compete with this crop, stealing all of its nourishment and nutrients and water such that the plant continues to grow, but it doesn't actually reach its full potential bearing fruit. And Jesus explains that the thorny soil is a person who hears But quickly, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, they they choke the word. And because these cares and the deceitfulness of riches have choked the word, the person is unable to grow and bear spiritual fruit. The last soil is the good soil. Jesus tells us that the good soil represents the heart of a person who hears and understands the gospel word. And as a result, it it grows in their heart and it bears fruit 30, 60, and 100 times the amount of seed sown. So now that we have this, this parable, its description and its explanation from Jesus, let's move on to our second point, which talks about the soil of our hearts. What does this parable teach us about ourselves? Point number two, the soil of our hearts. Let's begin with the soil of the path, which represents... Hard-heartedness. The imagery of a hard heart, it's a, it's a sobering one. 
It's sobering because it's a picture of an ever-hardening heart and of an enemy who seizes upon that hard heart to steal away the gospel word which Jesus is sowing. And this imagery should strike fear into us. This imagery reveals to us that there is a very real consequence to rejecting the gospel message. Jesus comments on the consequences of rejecting his words in verses 10 through 17. In these verses, Jesus quotes Isaiah 6 to illustrate the hardening effect of repeatedly rejecting the hope of God's salvation. The people of Isaiah's day are on the verge of being taken into exile, and for several hundred years they had been hearing prophets calling to them to repentance and to the salvation that God offers, and yet they had rejected it again and again and again and again. And so what God says in Isaiah 6 is, Isaiah, you're going to continue to proclaim this gospel message. But in judgment, I'm actually going to harden the hearts of your listeners. They have finally rejected me so many times that now I'm going to actually close their ears and close their eyes and harden their hearts. Such that the simple gospel message which will come to them, which they can easily understand, they will not be able to see and perceive. They will no longer be able to hear. And their hearts will no longer be able to understand. If you are here and you have repeatedly heard the gospel message, and yet you have rejected it for whatever reason, I'll come to it later, now's not the time, maybe when life slows down, maybe when I've had a chance to live in the world a little bit, and then I'll come back to it. For whatever reason, if you're hearing it again and again and again, and yet rejecting it, there is a consequence to this rejection. What can happen over time is that you can actually harden yourself in your refusal. You may be telling yourself that you can come back later, but the reality is you may reject the gospel so many times that when you think you will come back to hearing and responding to that gospel message, it will be too late to do so. The gospel message will continue to go forward, but you may have so hardened yourself that you no longer have ears to hear, eyes to see, or hearts to understand. My encouragement to you this morning is not to wait for a more appropriate time to respond to the gospel. Respond now while your heart is soft, while you're still hearing and seeing and able to understand this gospel message. Turn and God will heal you. Come to him. Christ has come for us to save us, to die for our sins, to pay for these sins. And if we will simply turn to him, he will forgive us and heal our souls. Next is the rocky soil, the soil of shallow faith. This soil can be deceiving because the response is quick and it's with joy and it seems to be flourishing and growing. And yet, under the surface, things aren't quite what they appear. And so when persecution comes, when the cost of discipleship comes, we prove that what looks good above the surface, below the surface, is actually quite unhealthy. And the heat of persecution, it always reveals what's truly going on below the surface in the soil of our hearts. Outwardly we may look good, but inwardly, the moment persecution comes and the cost of identifying with Christ rises, we find ourselves withering because of the lack of faith in our hearts. One commentator says it this way, 
The true test of discipleship is not, not whether or not one received the gospel with joy at some datable moment in history. The true test of discipleship is whether or not one picks up his cross and follows Jesus. Not for one day or two weeks or three months or four years, but until Jesus calls him home. So the question is, what are you unwilling to sacrifice for the sake of Christ? What cross are you unwilling to bear? What loss are you unwilling to take? This parable teaches us that each of us must take stock before persecution comes. It calls us to sift the soil of our hearts, to ask the question, what are the rocks that are below the surface, which represent the idols we are unwilling to forego for the sake of Christ? What are they and how might we remove them from our hearts? The rock of intellectual respect. Do you actually believe that? That Jesus is the Son of God and came and died for your sins and rose again from the dead? Do you actually believe that? The rock of acceptance. You know, to only think there's one way is completely bigoted. I can't believe you would possibly think in that way. To define sin in that way is to exclude an entire group of people. How could you possibly reject these people based on their choices? The rock of job security. I would say something, but I've got to pay the bills. Ask God the hard questions. Be open to what he has to say to you. What are the rocks below the surface that are preventing the, the, the roots of your faith from growing deeply in such a way that when persecution comes, you will not wither. Instead, you will flourish. Next is the thorny soil, the soil of strangled faith. Again, this soil can be deceiving. Again, the person hears the word and they grow. But right alongside this growth are thorns. And these thorns are all of the deceits of our riches and all of the cares and concerns of this life. And they grow right alongside us in such a way that we grow to full height, but they've so choked us that we don't actually bear the fruit we are designed to bear. And Jesus says that these thorns, are the, they're the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. And the nature of the choking is, is that they choke out the word, the gospel word in our hearts. The cares of this world and the indulgences that wealth provide, they deceive us. Here's the reality. We only have so much energy, so much attention, and so much affection. If the cares of the world and all of the indulgences of our riches, they soak up all of our energy, attention, and affection, there's very little left for us to grow our own souls. Now, I'm sure there are those present with hearts that are hard and those whose faith is shallow, too shallow to survive genuine persecution. But knowing myself and knowing many of you, the thorny soil is the one that most concerns me and most concerns me as a pastor. And here's why. Our hearts are crowded. They're crowded. They're crowded. They're crowded with all of our achievements and our pleasures and our activities. Many of us are wealthy and accomplished with 
privileges that are unimaginable to people around the world. And yet we are never satisfied. We just want more and more and more. The cares of the world and our own riches, they have deceived us. They constantly promise that if we just had a little bit more, then we would be truly satisfied. All the while, our faith is suffocating, trying to survive on the dregs of our energy, attention, and affection, most of which is being given to the cares of this world and the pleasures of riches. Unfortunately, we often give God the dregs of our thoughts, our energy, and our affection, the very last that we had to offer. But if this is the case, our faith won't last long. It will slowly but inevitably be choked out by the thorny cares of this world. If we're going to avoid this faith, fate, we, we must both pull up the thorns that are in our hearts and we must also nourish our hearts with the words of the gospel. Note the thorns of our heart, they choke us by choking out the word. The cares of this world convince us that church is optional. We can come when it is convenient. Something that we can do if we feel like it at the time. Yet it is the word preached. It is the word sung and celebrated in the sacraments that nourishes our souls. It is the word of God that we read each day that allows us to have the depth of root that will allow us to persevere in persecution. It is the word of God prayed that softens our hearts and makes us receptive to the gospel. Again, each of us may, must take stock of our own hearts. What concerns, what pleasures are crowding out your affection for Christ? What is strangling your love for God? Turn to Christ. Ask him to, to pull up the thorns that are in your heart. Ask him to make alive the word of the gospel in such a way that you can grow and flourish as he's designed you to do. Finally, we have the good soil. This is a picture of a healthy heart, one that not only hears, but understands the word of the gospel. All of the soils here, did you notice that? Every single one of them here. But it's only the one that hears and understands that is the good soil. The one that hears and understands is neither hard nor shallow, nor consumed with the concerns of the world. Rather, the hearer who understands is one who welcomes and receives this gospel word gladly. It welcomes and, and it is not withered because it, it plants the word of the gospel deep in our souls. And it welcomes the word of salvation in such a way that the glories of Christ far surpass the cares of this world and the riches that deceive us. It's the hearer that understands that bears much fruit. As James said, it's, it's the person who not just hears the word, but understands and demonstrates that understanding in doing by living the word of the gospel. In order for our hearts to look like this, we must do the hard work. We must till the hard soil of our souls. We must sift the soil of our souls and remove the rocks, the idols that prevent us from paying the price of discipleship. We must pull up the thorny busyness of our lives, the thorny pleasures of this life that are choking out the word of God in our hearts. It's only then that we will be in a position to hear God's word, to receive it, and to bear much fruit. Our final, final point briefly is this, ears to hear, ears to hear. 
Verse 9, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. When we embrace the good news of the gospel with faith, it begins a virtuous cycle of faith leading to understanding and understanding leading to a deeper faith. All who believe have been given this gift of sight, of hearing, and of a tender heart. Friends, embrace this gift as a gift given to you by God. Jesus says this in verses 16 and 17, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And the key to cultivating this heart that hears is having the humility to acknowledge that we need God and to pause and actually listen to what he has to say. The seeking heart is a listening heart that hears and grows. My encouragement to you is to take advantage of this Advent season Use it to seek God. Use it as a season of preparation and anticipation to take stock of the condition of your soul. The great irony of the Advent season, the Christmas season as we have now imagined it, is that we have taken what was intended to be a time of preparation and anticipation, a time set aside to remember Christ's first coming and to anticipate his second coming, and we've made it into one of the busiest times of the year. What is intended by God as a holy season has been transformed into a time of mass consumption and frantic running to and fro. A time that is characterized by the thorny cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Allow the message of this parable, allow this season of Advent to be a time of slowing down. Slow down. Buy less stuff. It'll be okay. We've got plenty of it. Children, you'll be just fine. I promise you. Buy less stuff. Take a few things off the to-do list. You probably have 40 of them right now. You could probably cut it down to 20. No one would know the difference but you. Just cut them out. Go to a few less parties. Slow down. Pause. And enter into the season which is a gift that God has given of Advent. To celebrate that Christ came. To celebrate that he will come again. And to take stock of your heart such that you are prepared when he does. God calls us to examine the condition of our hearts in preparation for the second coming of Christ. Seize this opportunity to do so. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that in your mercy you sent your son to save us. I pray that you would soften our hearts, that you would remove the stones that are preventing our faith from growing deep, and that you would pull up the thorns that compete with our affections for you. Father, may our hearts be good soil where the gospel word grows and where we bear much fruit for you. I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.